0: That's really powerful when you just think about, um, you know, we talk a lot about, like here, if you've been here any length of time, we talk about being a Christ follower, being a disciple. And one of the things that's so essential about CR or some of these other ministries, AA, MHS, Men's Healthy Sexuality, that we're really um, focusing on is a lot of times before we can even really grow as a disciple, we got to get healed. Sometimes some of our minds and our patterns and our hurts, habits, and hang-ups run so deep that there's brokenness that's in us that the Lord just clears and starts healing a lot of that clutter, and then we can enter into a life of healthy discipleship. So really, this is one of our first on-ramps to becoming a, to becoming a disciple. So if you're wondering if it's for you, if you have a hurt or a habit or else a hang-up that you are really having a hard time moving past, come check it out. We aren't here, it's not, a, it's not a scarlet letter to need help around here. We're not that church, because we all, we all need help. So, um, <clears throat> well, hey, it's so good to be with you in person on, and uh, everyone joining us online today. My name is Ryan, I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray and we're gonna jump in to, if you can believe it or not, week 15 of our Things Can Change series. So, Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you are with us we thank you that things are changing. We thank you that things can change. And we thank you that things will change if we just say yes to you. Wherever you are speaking to us in our journey, maybe at the beginning or the middle, the end, or we're coming back around, <clears throat> we thank you that you're a God who loves us. And we bless you and we just thank you for that sweet time of worship today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's hear it for that worship team. They've never played together all of them to, before. <clears throat> So I got the dreaded call on Friday morning, Lucas, or text, uh, Lucas, our worship pastor, he, his whole family has been, their insides have not been, like, agreeing with them. And so they've been very sick, and he's like, I don't know if it's going to work, and do you want me to come? I'm like, no, please, stay home. Everyone else loves you, and just, you know, uh, puke face emoji, and sorry this is happening. I love emojis just because like sometimes stuff's lost in tech so maybe I'm like a seventh grade girl but um, (laughs) that's what I put to him and so this team my dear buddy Ray and Tommy and Emily and the whole uh, like the usual suspects thank you you guys it was beautiful it was worshipful so thank you Um, really quick update our friends Kuzan and Clarine Vandenberg are in Latvia now they're there they've passed customs and COVID customs and world customs visa customs um so they're there so the first vineyard church in latvia is underway so we'll be giving you updates and you'll be hearing from them soon so yeah so thanks for the prayers and the gifts and all their stuff and it's really it's really exciting these guys what the lord's called them to there's been so much opposition and uh it's a huge sigh of relief that they're there so we're in week Actually, we're in week 14. Sorry, this is week 14. Good Friday is 15. So this is week 14 of our Things Can Change series. And basically, this is a series all about through the book of Mark. We've gone through in a very linear kind of Scooby-Doo ending fashion too. Of um, Basically, if you could summarize the Gospels in three words, it'd be Things Can Change. And so we've been focusing on these kairos moments, these aha, these kind of pivotal catalytic moments of where things can change if we'll just lean in and respond to Jesus. We see sometimes where people didn't respond in the bad changes that followed. We see some people that just walked away. And we see other people that leaned in and God changed some massive things. And... um. One of the things that's really critical to know is we're nearing that end of the story. This is Palm Sunday. So on today, Jesus walked in a hero. He marched in the, whole, in the holy city at the start of, start of Passover, rode on the donkey. Everyone's like, the Savior has come, the one we waited for to come. And within five days, he was dead. You wanna talk about first to worst real quick? That's the week Jesus was up against. <clears throat> and then so we... Last week, uh, last week was an amazing, amazing teaching uh, Millen did on the woman who anointed Jesus for his burial. And he talked about giving it all for Jesus, giving it all for Jesus. And many of his disciples had made these proclamations, especially one guy, Peter, made like, Lord, if everyone else abandons you, I will not, I won't. It ain't gonna happen, not gonna happen. And Jesus has some words for him. It's like one of the things that I've, I've learned as a pastor is when people come up to me, like first week or second week, I'm all in, man. I'm not going anywhere, this is my church, I'm all in. I'm gonna do it, we love this place, like God is moving, I'm all in. I have learned like, I doubt I'll see you again. Or I doubt I'll see you once we start talking about discipleship. Because I'm gonna bring in a little Dietrich Bonhoeffer style i ain't just gonna say like, Jesus loves you, it's all puppies and rainbows and let's go to heaven. No, we got work to do here on earth, the kingdom's the now and not yet. And Jesus could calibrate that and, and like, I wanna be like him. And so even like, even if everyone falls away, Lord, I ain't going to, and he's like, you're deluded and full of yourself and you're gonna run away scared, just like the rest of them. And in fact, it'll be so bad, you'll deny me three times. You'll do it three times. So you'll do it worse than everybody else. Jesus had the audacity to say to the guy he said he'd build his church upon. And so it's a night that Peter and the boys will never forget. And it all begins to walk, on their walk to a garden. You show that picture of Gethsemane? A Gethsemane is kind of this famous garden because it's where Jesus prayed what I would say is called, <clears throat> what I would call the de- The Lord's Prayer. We a lot of times call the Our Father Art in Heaven the Lord's Prayer. I think that's the disciples' prayer, because the disciples said, teach us how to pray. Here, we see Jesus praying on another level where he's praying for his disciples. So this is the Lord's Prayer. This is the longest prayer we have in the Bible of Jesus praying. Besides his sermon on the mount, this is the second longest discourse that we have of just him talking about um, a topic, In Sermon on the Mounts on discipleship, this is about prayer. And in Gethsemane, which is about, um, it's the beginning of the end. And so all week there was a feeling of danger since that Palm Sunday. There's a sense of threat, a storm is brewing, a battle's coming. There's been this growing tension that Jesus entered as the anointed one, and now he's about to die the sacrificial lamb John prophesied about him. So now those strange words of the Passover table are ringing in their ears when Jesus says, every one of you will betray me, starting with Judas. Every one of you will. And so outside the city gates, they splash their way uh, through the Kidron stream and make their way towards the Mount of Olives. Numbers of others were doing the same because honestly, Jews from all over the world came during uh, Passover. Passover was their Christmas. It was their biggest holiday. It was the Mecca. They came for all over the world. Jews would come back to Jerusalem for Passover to celebrate what happened on that Egyptian night thousands of years ago. So there's no room for the festival crowds. So just like sometimes if you go to a big event, you can't stay right in the city. You gotta stay 20 minutes outside. That's what they were doing. So finally at the foot of the hill, they arrive in this place, Gethsemane, And it was called because it was kind of an olive grove, an olive grove tree, but it was also from like a combo of Hebrew words, gath and shaman, which Gethsemane in the Greek would be more translated, it's gath shaman, and it means press. So gath equals press. And shaman equals oil, or olive oil in this case. And there's also a Hebrew connotation to it that um, you press a grape when it's fat, and excessive and it, the outside starts getting more dull. That was time to press it and either turn the grape into wine or the olive into oil. So that word has like a dullness com, uh, connotation. And olive oil, olive was very important in their world because they didn't have Crisco. And they didn't have this preservation, this flavoring, this keeping, this like anointing. They didn't have Bath and Body Works. They had olive oil and they had these different, and. It was such a world that revolved around olive oil. So this would be in a very important place and this was a significant place even before Jesus prayed this prayer there. And so on this unforgettable night it's all about to take a turn and two things are at work here. There's a bridge of battles if you will. One battle's about to be lost and another one's about to be won. The disciples are about to lose their battle. Jesus Is about to win his. And so Jesus invited three guys with him, Peter, James, and John. Those were his three closest of the now 11 disciples. The other eight didn't come. And we say eight plus three is 11. We know there's 12 disciples, but at this point in time, there's 11 because Judas went and became Judas. There's a reason no one names their kid Judas, okay? Like, you know, he just like ate off Judas, like those are just not names flying around, and so, um, and so it was just after, uh, like, the anointing. And interesting how he goes to a place of oil after he just had oil poured out all over him. But it was interesting that they were all ticked because of what this lady Mary did for him. They were jealous. They were mad. And I I think that there was something underneath this. Do you ever give yourself license to sin because you're mad at someone else? Anyone ever got their spouse back or their parent back or someone back? Like, well, since you did this, I'm gonna do that. Since you do this, I'm gonna do that. Well, hey, since you're not giving me what I want, I'm gonna go do this. Since you're not behaving how I think you should, I'm gonna respond to you however I want to and I'm going to call you names that are tragic and terrible just because you hurt my feelings. That's kind of what seems like happens here. Like the disciples are all kind of letting themselves off the hook because they were very upset at how Jesus behaved towards Judas and how Jesus behaved towards all of them, calling them traitors, you're going to desert me. So there was this thing, they were not happy with Mary, they didn't seem to be happy with Jesus, and there seems to be this undercurrent of, well, because you did this, I'm going to do that. And we see this with the first people, right? Adam said, well, when God said, Adam, where are you? You know, what do you do? And he's like, well, this woman you gave me, she ate it and said it was good. And since she did it, I, I said, I'm gonna do it too. It's like the first sin really out of Adam, Eve's was, was disobeying God. Adam, really his second sin was blaming Eve. And I know so many times in my life, I've acted wrongly or sinfully because of someone else's behavior. I've given myself license to act, say, do so many sinful, awful, stupid things because of someone else. I link my obedience to other people's treatment of me instead of Jesus himself. And Jesus now goes a little further. He tells the disciples, he says, I want you to wait here. We're gonna pick up and read Mark chapter 14, verse 32 through 42. So they came to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, "Sit here until I've prayed." And he took with him Peter, James, John, and he began to be begin. He began to be very distressed and troubled, and he said to them, "My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch," which was also a like Aramaic euphemism to keep watch was the pray. He went. He went a little beyond them, fell to the ground, began to pray that if it were possible this hour might pass him by. For he was saying, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. But he said, yet not what I will, but what you will, do your will. And he came and found them sleeping. He said, and he said to Peter, interesting, Peter was the name he most often calls him. It was the pet name he gave him. Here he calls him Simon, almost like when your mom or your wife says, Ryan Lewis Snow I've heard that a lot in my life because I was a bad kid been a bad husband at times I've heard my full name a lot Jesus kind of calling him Simon here is a callback it's like a stern like Simon are you asleep could you not keep watch with me for even one hour so there was a double entendre about this watch Jesus knew what was going to happen that the bad guys are coming and you got to keep watch because I got business I got to take here, here, take care of here I got to pray And then also, can you be looking out for them with their swords and knives and clubs? He says, keep praying, keep watching and praying that you may not come into temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again, he found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy, but they did not know what to answer him. And he came a third time and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the son of man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let us be going. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand. And so Jesus went a little further and it's, and it's interesting. Some people read this story as if Jesus is asking the disciples to pray for him. I think he was. He was. Like, Jesus is like, you, you guys don't have any idea what this is gonna be. And I think even though Jesus fore, foresaw all this coming, we even see here, like, this is the humanness of Jesus. That's why Jesus can identify with us. He's just not some Zeus up on the mountain zapping us with lightning bolts when we're bad or blessings when we need it. It's like, he could I really identify that Jesus was like, God, I, I don't wanna go through with this. Like, a, a crucifixion, there could not be a more gruesome form of death. I mean, literally, you laid up there naked, spread out, nails through your bones or your body, wrists or hands, depending on where they did it, through your feet, and you would die of suffocation. Warm there. So a lot of times you were beaten on the way there. So literally, <clears throat> birds would Like says in the Bible a couple times, curses everyone who hangs on a tree. So Jesus knew He was gonna hang up there, and birds. You ever seen what birds do to things that are dying or dead? They would come pick your flesh off. So Jesus has a, he's gonna get a crown of thorns. He's gonna get up there battered, broken, whipped to a point he was marred beyond recognition, bleeding, and then you're laying up there naked. Jesus wasn't wearing a shawl around his goods. He was naked. That's how they did it. It was a total shaming, embarrassment, subjugation to basically just show, and then they just drop you in a hole. And so Jesus knew this was coming. And I know that sounds graphic, and I'm sorry if you can't handle that. That, That's what happened, that's what Jesus did. And sometimes the, the truth is harder and more bizarre than fiction, and that's what these people did to kill criminals. And so Jesus laid up there like that and knew it was coming he's like, God, I don't want to do that. I and mean, sometimes in the morning, I'm just like, God, I don't even want to get up and exercise. It's going to be hard. Like, can you imagine knowing you're going to go get crucified? I mean, think of that. So Jesus is like, I want this cup to pass. And he's like, can you guys pray? Because like, I think Jesus is on the ropes here. I think this is a kairos for Jesus. Jesus is having one of these things where he's like, God, I do don't want this. It's the one time we see him unsure. He's like, I would rather, he's like, if there's another way, I will take it. And so he wanted them to pray for him, and they didn't. See, these guys, just like us, we don't generally fall into sin all at once, do we? Like, people that have affairs, they've had a problem with their looks at other people or their actions towards other people for a long time. You don't just usually look at someone and then you're having an affair in five minutes, right? Or people don't get to be like 600 pounds overnight. It was a bunch of cheeseburgers, but it started with one, started with two, three. You know, it's like, so there's this thing that Jesus was kind of aware of what was happening. And so these guys were already leaning out from the disappointment of the anointing and now falling asleep on the job. And so, that was Jesus' kairos. He was gonna to have to do this. Not only have to do it, but now he was gonna do it alone. He'd had these 12 friends for three years, and now he was gonna be alone. That's daunting. And we see Jesus, though, that the battle is lost with the disciples, but the, the battle is won on his behalf when he says, Not what I will, but what you will. So Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross for us. He said, I'll do it. Since God gave him no response. Do you you know sometimes, we don't see God give him any response. God gave him no response. Do you know sometimes the no responses, the things we get most mad about, are maybe the answers. There's no way around it. Sometimes it's just the way through it. That was Jesus' answer. God was silent. And a lot of times we'll never see the glory because we won't push through the silence. We won't push through the unanswered stuff. We won't continue on because we wanna blame that we didn't get what we want or we wanna blame what someone else did to us and we don't push through it and so we never get to the glory. Jesus could have hightailed it that day. He didn't. God was silent and Jesus went. The cup wasn't going to pass him. He was on a kamikaze mission. He knew there's only one way this ended. But also Jesus knew the battle was lost for the disciples in the time being because he had brought them to this place over and over again. He's like, guys, the chips are down. I'm going to pray. And they fell asleep on the job. I don't know how many more ways I can say it. We'll keep saying it. But if you want to make it as a Christian, you want to have the life that you think you're meant for, that I know you're meant for, unless we start to get prayer on a deep level, you will never maximize your calling in Christ. You might get by the skin of your teeth, and you might just limp in there. We'll all limp in there. But if you want to skyrocket towards heaven, or you just want to like, be in the back of the line, that's up to us. But the people that understand prayer, that's the game changer. Like literally, there is nothing more important, there's nothing more fundamental to the Christian life than a regular, passionate prayer life. And and I know that might sound hard, that might sound scary, that might sound boring, that might sound old school, that might sound needless but that's what Jesus did. And if discipleship is the process of becoming like Jesus, we should do what Jesus did if we wanna be like Jesus. Right? I mean, doesn't that make sense? Like, why would we not do what Jesus did, but then still want his results? Why would we wanna have a life where, I mean, I think a lot of us, and and I know in my own life, how many things could have been avoided if I had watched and prayed, because I fell into temptation? Because I didn't watch him pray. And now listen, there's gonna be stuff we all walk into. Jesus could not avoid this one. He couldn't avoid it. And that will happen in all of our lives at times. I'm not saying if you pray, it'll be hunky-dory and perfect. But I'm saying, but how many other Gethsemane-like things could we avoid if we watched and prayed? If we just leaned in in prayer? But the disciples keep on. And it's fast approaching, and they keep falling asleep warning after warning. But instead of watching at the dark foot of the olive tree, these guys doze off again. I mean, it had been a long day, right? It had been a long day. And um, they knew some hard stuff was coming. But what Jesus says in verse 38 makes both the coming threat and the needed response very explicit. They're about to face a deep, temptation. Do you know there's things in all of our lives that we cannot face on our own strength? There are things even in the world that'll take our lunch. But there's demonic forces. There are things more real than the things we can see that are waiting to pick us off. That are waiting to take us out. And listen, it doesn't matter how strong you are, how good you are, how virtuous you are, how moral you are, how whatever you are if there are things we cannot face in our own strength and that's why we got to watch and pray because every one of us listen every one of you me pointing this at all of us i'm not preaching at you i'm preaching to the choir okay every one of us can fall away every one of us can walk away every one of us can give Jesus like the one-finger salute and say, see ya. And most people don't do it all at once, but it's that slow not watching and praying that causes people to back up. I think it's interesting in Romans 8, where it goes through the litany of, can height nor death or angels nor demons or anything in this life, the age to come, separate us from the love of Christ? No, nothing can. But it's interesting, he doesn't say that we can't. Jesus doesn't say that you can't because we, when, we when we start turning off prayer, when we start getting a little bit more muted to the Spirit, we inadvertently start turning off some of the protection, some of the guidance, some of the strategy, some of the things Jesus has for us that could fortify us. And people can walk away from God. You just can I mean, 25 of the 27 books in the New Testament follow, talk about people falling away. You can't fall off a perch you're not already on. You can't fall away if you're not already on it. And Jesus is telling disciples, he says, watch and pray lest you fall into temptation. And he says, all you'll be scattered. And we know Judas walked away. And we know there were some real trials that came. And when we're fat and dull and full is the time when we're most ripe for the Lord to either move or a big time loss to happen. Just like the press, the grapes. When the olives and the grapes were full, that's when they were pressed. So you might think it's all good, it's all great. And that's a lot of times when it's like we're most ready either for the Lord to prune us back, to bear more fruit, or for the enemy to try to pick us off. Because twice the pride, double the fall sort of thing. Verse 38 has been one of the most harrowing and meaningful verses of me since my um, early Christian life. Actually, the first book I ever read about Christianity in its entirety when I was 18 years old by a guy named Keith Green. Anyone ever heard of Keith Green? He wrote an amazing book. Actually, his wife wrote it from a lot of his memoirs. No Compromise. We got that up there? It's, uh, no Compromise was this book that um, was very catalytic for me and formative in my walk with Jesus. And there was a lot of quotes like this. If your heart takes more pleasure in reading novels or watching TV or going to the movies or talking to friends, rather than just sitting alone with God and embracing him, sharing his cares and his burdens, weeping and rejoicing with him, then how are you going to handle forever in his presence? You'd be bored to tears in heaven if you're not ecstatic about God now. And Jesus is kind of saying to these guys, like, bro, and this, this verse grabbed me because like um, Keith Green had kind of one of the pivotal times and he said a little verse on the start of the chapter and said Mark fourteen thirty eight the spirit's willing but the flesh is weak if we want to live a life of no compromise if we don't want to be the casualties of the Christian life I mean think about the parable of the seeds three of the four don't make it one never takes it two of them were on for a while and they just said nah baby nah the cares of this life or shallowness comfort consumerism, um, brokenness, maybe recovery, issues that they never worked through or worked towards, fall off. And Jesus says, the one that produces 30, 60, even 100 fold were the ones that were close to me. On good soil, the heart that was receptive to my message that came back again and again. And so here we see three men who have been so sure and so confident they can face anything fall away. And we see the deadly combination of human weakness and human pride. And sometimes, friends, we gotta keep on, even though there's no way home. Sometimes there's things Jesus is gonna call us to, that we can never be the same again. There's some things he'll call you to that will, you, you can never be the same again. You can't. And you'll either not be the same again on one of two levels. Either that point in time, And this is an interesting fact about the book of Mark. We know um, Mark, from early legend, was written by, we think, like the rich young ruler. It's early on in Mark, I believe it's Mark 10, where Jesus, this young guy says, I've I've, I've got everything, I'll give it up, I wanna follow you, what do I gotta do? And Jesus tells him, da-da-da-da-da-da, he's like, I've done all that stuff since I was a kid. You're ready to have me, you lucky dog. It's your day, Jesus. But this guy was filthy rich. Like, we're talking like Elon Musk rich. And he looks at him and says, yo, yo, Elon. Tony Stark, Billy Gates. There's one thing you lack, homeboy. Sell everything and come follow me and then we'll talk. It says Jesus looked at him and loved him and told him that. And the guy's like, this says he went away downcast because he had tremendous wealth. Interesting, early legend tells it that he was the gospel writer here. And we think we, he sold everything and came and followed him. But it was hard. Jesus that day looked at him and loved him. You know, Jesus is not. There's, there's a dichotomy that's amazing to me about Jesus. Do you know, Jesus is not put off by our stank? Do you know, Jesus is not put off by our worst days, our terrible lives our busted decisions, our failures. He's not put off by it. But do you know on the other side of it that he's not impressed by you either. Don't matter how good you are, how great you are, how great your family's been, how great your life's been, if you've got your best life now, Jesus is not impressed by it. He's not impressed by it. And he would say, so all you have, come follow me. So wherever we are in our st- story, Jesus is going to call us to something where we can never be the same. And we have to understand um, their spiritual battles. And Mark warns his first readers and he warns us today that facing immediate and terrifying dangers of persecution, that the same will happen to us if we don't watch and pray. So Jesus' Kairos was they were all going to fall away. Ours is, if we don't watch and pray. Temptation is crouching at our doorstep. Sin is crouching at our doorstep. It desires to master us. And these guys were with Jesus every minute. So if you don't think you could struggle or stumble, think again. Listen, I have walked through some stuff and I'm like, Lord, if I had just listened to you, if I had just yielded, if I had just learned sooner to pray, if I had just learned sooner to surrender, to trust, to submit, to believe, to believe, How much different would my life be? How much different would, would my kids be and my wife? And some of my sin has really hurt people. It's really hurt my wife at times. And just, what if I just listened sooner? What if I just love better? What if I just shut my mouth and listen to the spirit? What if I just not made that knee jerk decision? And just like them, the moment arrives and we're all lost. At times. And the thing is, there will, like I said, there will be spiritual challenges, but how we face them, that's the game changer. That's the things can change changer. See, the answer is amazingly simple. If we learn how to watch and pray, people, that's the unstoppable part. Like if you become a praying person, you become an unstoppable person. People that hear God for themselves, that can listen, that can truly open the word, that can hear the spirit, that learn to do that. Once you have that skill, you can literally be on an island or on jail or on the run and people can take your body but they can't swallow your soul. Because I've hid your word in my heart and I won't sin against you. And like, where else can we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. It's that type of faith Jesus wants to cultivate in all of us. And none of us is ever going to get it all right. I'm not saying... Just because you start to pray, you're going to get it all right. You won't. But you'll get more of it. I'll get more of it the more I'm connected to him. He says his sheep know his voice. We need to have a kairos that he had and that his disciples didn't have till later about prayer to be clear-minded and self-controlled so we can pray. So I want to ask you, where are you most vul- uh, vulnerable to failure in your life? Where do you feel like you're losing the battle most often? Where do you feel like you're most vulnerable? If you've never thought about that, do an inventory this week. Maybe pray about that. Say, Holy Spirit, take a journal. Really good way to pray is to just sit and listen and say, God, what are you saying to me? And read your Bible a lot because then you can filter through your voice versus his voice, the world's voice, the enemy's voice. Just say, what you, where am I most vulnerable? He'll show you that every time, not to make you feel like a loser, but because if we know where our vulnerable spots are, we can fortify them. And he'll give us everything we need to fortify that spot. And I think that he wants us to depend on him, not on the behavior of others, not on the actions of other people, not on our circumstances. The disciples had every reason to be tired, to tuck, and to run. They had every reason to doubt at this point in time. They had seen this epic five-day, like, from here, you know, fall off the cliff. They'd seen it. But if they had watched and prayed, what could they have avoided? What could they have avoided? And maybe that's what Jesus wanted to show them. Like, Jesus was being vulnerable, and they heard him. One of them heard him. This made it into the book. So if I watched and prayed with more frequency and uh, tenacity, could I win more battles? Could you win more battles? Could we have more breakthrough? Could we have more fruit? Could we see relationships turn around? Could we see financial situations turn around? Could we see... Depression? Could we see addictions, anxiety? Could we see failures? Could we see areas where we keep butting our head again and again, or maybe where other people do? Could we start to see continuous breakthrough if we just started to do what Jesus did? Could we always, Jesus was always breaking through. He was always taking ground. And what if we learn to pray like Jesus more? Not your will, not my will, God, but yours. In Kairos, we've talked about Kairos, is an opportunity. So even in these guys' failure, even in our greatest failures, there's an opportunity to rebound. People can walk away, but Jesus doesn't want anyone to. He's faithful. He's like, dude, I will give you everything you need to stay on board. If you want it, it's yours. I'm never gonna force you, but man, I want you to stay. I want you close to me. I want you to not fall asleep. I want you to watch and pray with me. Because it's really about falling in love, isn't it? Because a lot of people, don't they walk away from marriages because I fell out of love? Well, how do you fall out of love? As you start <clears throat> communicating less. You start separating more. You start doubting more. You start keeping offenses. You stop working things out. It goes from talking to fighting to coldness. And you fall out of love. And that's a lot of times what happens to us spiritually. But if we just stay we hang in there, and we love, and we learn, and we listen to Jesus. A lot of the offenses, a lot of the assaults, those are things that don't have to break up our lives. There's a little picture I saw of a triangle up here when I was looking on something. It's talking about up, in, and out. We talked about that a lot. Like, up is our communication with, with Jesus, passionate worship. A life of prayer, confession, uh, Bible, you know, worship. And then in is about fellowship and fellowship. You know, serving Jesus, doing life together. We're not islands. And then out, being a person like who's living on mission, who's being generous. And it's like, really, it takes all of this stuff to be more like Jesus. But the first thing Jesus did that we know, Jesus was connected to the Father. And that's why he tells us to watch and pray, because this will affect all of our lives. If we're not watching and praying, a lot of our relationships follow. If our heavenly relationship is dissolving or weak, a lot of our earthly relationships follow. And then a lot of our mission or our capacity to be used falls apart too, if we're not connected to the source. And so Jesus is saying, like, listen, I got a mission for you. You guys got to stick together, but first of all, you got to stick with me if you want to make it. So, where are you in the battle right now? Where are you in the battle? Wonder how you can grow in this. I mean, every day we're praying at six thirty to seven o'clock on Zoom. The link's on our website. It's on the app. Seriously, join us. we Would love to. If we're gonna live into the. <clears throat> Kingdom destiny we have as individuals and as a church. It'd be great to see way more than ten or fifteen people on Zoom praying. And that's not a, a shaming thing. I'm just it's, it's 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 a reality. It's a reality. Now Jesus says, "If hey, if two or more of you gather together, I'm there and I'm gonna do it." But man, what if what if we become a church that's really hungry? What if we got a hundred people in there? Like if, if we think he's gonna move things along by the prayer of two or three or ten or fifteen, what if a hundred of us are on there? Like seriously, this stuff's real and it's not like a potion, it's not like a jukebox. But I think if we will yield ourselves the way Jesus did, there's no limit to what he can do in this church, in our lives, in our families, in Florence, Burlington, Hebron, Union, Rabbit Hash, that's 20 people that live, you know, like there is no limit to what Jesus can do in greater Cincinnati, Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, Tri-State area, wherever you're coming from. There's no limit. But if we'll go for it, if we decide to take these words seriously, like, I'm gonna watch and pray so I don't fall into temptation. It's not only that, but man, that's where you're gonna find a source of power to, to get through those temptations. So I encourage you to join us. I encourage you to join us and um, just give it a try. We'll teach you how to pray. We wanna teach you how to pray. If you're like, I don't even know what to do for 20 or 30 minutes. You don't have to get on there and pray for 30 minutes. We're not to say, oh, hey, hey, you're new. Thanks, lead us, pray the whole time. We're not going to do that. We all do it together. We walk through the Word. It's really fun. I encourage you to read Mark chapter four, chapters fourteen through sixteen this week. We're going to have a Good Friday service, um, and we're going to have an Easter service, obviously. But want to encourage you to join us in these things and to, um, join us with your house groups or you know whatever, and just um, let's think about what Jesus did this week. Let's think about what Jesus did this week, and. Um, Give him what he deserves. Like Millen talked about, he is worth it all. He is worth it all. And if you're afraid, just give him one thing and watch what he does with it. You don't have to jump to praying six hours a day. But if you don't even got five minutes a day, like he said, eternity would probably not be great for you. Wouldn't be great, f- great for me if I never want to connect with him here. So Jesus, we just ask you to come. We ask you to meet us. Lord, sometimes your word's really hard. Lord, but you, you give us these warnings not to scold us, but because you love us. You don't want us to fall away. You don't want us to walk away. You don't want us to fizzle out, Lord. You don't want us to be like those virgins who, are, who waited their whole lives for the bridegroom to come, and then when he came, they didn't have enough oil left in their lamps. You want us to be full. You want us to be fit. You want us to be ready. You want us to be leaning in. So, Lord, what we got to lean in to celebrate recovery or prayer rooms or discipleship or just maybe some plain obedience in areas where we know you keep calling us to follow you, Lord. Whatever it is, help us to be people that hear and obey. Long before we're ever people that share, Lord, we got to be people that hear and obey because we can't give what we don't have. So Lord, I know none of us is ever gonna be perfect, but Lord, you want us to just watch and pray because we're not perfect. And we need your strength. We need your power. We need your love to do what you're calling us to do. So we love you, Father, and we bless you and we thank you. And it's through your mighty and powerful name we pray, Father, amen. If you want prayer, our prayer teams would love to pray with you. Um, And if you um, want to, grab an egg egg your neighbor bag on the way out. It's got all the instructions. You're like, what does that mean? You can throw real eggs at them. You know, you might come up with a black eye next week or a big bill for their car because that doesn't come off paint very easy. It's not really that. It's just a funny little thing, but it's a cool way to invite your neighbors to church. So just got it. The instructions in there. So grab one or 10 on the way out. So love you. Go sin less this week and uh, hope you have a good one.